0: Hey everybody, it's really good to be here with you wherever you are. So I think it would be good for me to explain kind of how I'm feeling about the next few minutes that we have together. Uh, And it reminds me of something I experience on a daily basis. Every day when I come home from work and sit down to dinner with my family, uh, my wife and I, we sit across the table from each other and we have our two kids, they're almost two and four, And sometimes when we sit down to the table there's something one of us has been thinking about all day that we've been waiting to tell the other person and now we have a chance. Except we kind of don't have a chance because it's really difficult to talk to each other when we're at a dinner table with an almost two year old and almost four year old. It'll go like this, Allie, my wife, she might start trying to say something and then my daughter Magnolia will bite her finger and she just erupts in tears and she's screaming and we gotta calm her down. And then uh, at another attempt, uh, Edison, he drops his spoon, which he's totally capable of picking up himself, but he is reacting as if the world is falling apart and that spoon was the only thing holding it together. Or maybe Magnolia starts choking on something, which really puts us on edge, or Edison does the classic technique of going, Papa. Papa, 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 and you can't ignore this. If you try, it gets louder and more intense. He goes, Papa, 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 and eventually, you you just can't help it. As hard as you try, you give in, and you're like, what? And he informs us of the thing that was so important it could not wait. He tells us that he's a hedgehog today. It's like, great, I'm really glad that we learned this about you, and We've learned in the season of parenting that we're in, if we need to listen to the other person or if we need to talk to the other person at the dinner table, we just have to tune out the chaos and the crises in order for that to happen. We had an election this week, or maybe we're still having one. We're recording this the day after the election, and who knows what things will look like this weekend. And parts of our state are on fire, and there's the pandemic that nobody wants to talk about anymore because we're sick of hearing about it. And there is no shortage of things trying to get our attention, and there's no shortage of crises. And to call these things distractions is not fair. They're more serious than that. But as I've been thinking about this weekend more and more, it's felt like Jesus is sitting across the table from us leaning in, wanting to talk to us, and it's important in this time that we have together, I think it's important that we just kind of tune out the chaos and the noise and the things fighting for our attention and and listen, because Jesus really wants to tell us about this group of people that he cares deeply about, a people that is really easily neglected in times like this. So for those reasons, I I think it's important that we pray. Um, So would you please pray with me? Father, all the things going on in our lives and in our state and country and around the world, you are in control, and that's hard for us to wrap our minds around sometimes. But for this time that we have right now, would you help us to trust you with these things so that we can listen to what you have to say? Father, we love you. Thank you for being here wherever we're at. And we pray this in your name. Okay, we're going to jump right in. For the past couple weeks, we have been looking at Isaiah chapter 58. And in this chapter, there's this group of people, the Israelites, who are desperately trying to get God's attention. And they're doing this primarily through fasting. Fasting is this spiritual practice of abstaining from food or something time-consuming. And instead of focusing on ourselves in those ways, we take a break from those things and focus on God. Except for the Israelites, it's not working. And in verse 3 of chapter 58, they ask God, Why? Take a look at this. They say, Why have we fasted and you see it not? Why have we humbled ourselves and you take no knowledge of it? And then God responds, Behold, in the day of your fast, you seek your own pleasure and oppress all your workers. Basically, they're saying, God, you're not responding while we're fasting. What's going on? And he says, I'm not responding because you're treating this like a vacation and you're exploiting your workers. See, what's going on is the uh, wealthy people, they're taking time off of work to honor God, but they're not giving paid time off to their workers and servants to do the same thing. So they're forced to work because they're poor. Basically, they're being forced to choose between honoring God and feeding their families. And that's messed up. And God thinks that that's messed up too. So he tells the Israelites, this is not what fasting is about. Let me tell you what fasting is. And in verse 7, he tells them, God says, Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house? When you see the naked, to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh. God says the point of fasting is to care for the poor, but you're exploiting them. See, when we fast, we become aware of what we have in abundance. If we take a day or two to give up food, we've just proven to ourselves we have more food than we need. If, if we give up something that is time-consuming, we realize that we have more time than we need. But God says the point of fasting is to recognize what we have in abundance, but then to look for the people around us who have none of it and give what we have in abundance to those who have nothing. When we do this, this is what captures God's attention. This is what brings us closer to God. This is what captures God's heart because the people that have always been mostly on God's heart to the most passionate degree are the people who are most in need, like the hungry and the homeless and the naked. But to say that these people are just on God's heart might be putting it too lightly because by the Israelites neglecting these people, God has stopped responding to their prayers That's a pretty big deal. In the past couple weeks, looking at this chapter, we've realized that God's people, us, we are intended to be people of justice, people who bring God's healing justice to the world around us that is desperately in need of it. And last week, we looked at verse six of this chapter that talks about oppression, which is just so unequivocally unjust. Like, there's no argument against it. Oppression is bad. But this, verse 7, which is kind of the second half, it sounds a bit more like charity. Feeding the hungry, sheltering the homeless, clothing the naked. And we view charity a little bit differently from justice. Charity feels a little bit more optional. It's something we do when we're feeling charitable. It's something we do for a tax write-off. But that is not at all how God has taught his people. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 15. Verse 7 and 8 go like this. If among you one of your brothers should become poor in any of your towns within your land that the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not harden your heart or shut your hand against your poor brother, but you shall open your hand to him and lend him sufficient for his need, whatever it may be. When God gives an abundance, he gives us an abundance so that we can pour out of that abundance into those around us who are lacking whatever it is we have in abundance. Not just fasting, but all the time. And when we don't give out of our abundance to those who are in need, not only is this missing God's heart, but in God's eyes, this is unjust. Charity and justice are the same, But when we don't give out of our abundance to those who have nothing of what we have an abundance of, whether that's time or love or money or resources or food, when we don't do this, not only are we missing God's heart, not only is this unjust, but we are missing out on this incredible bigger picture that God has in mind. See, again, we are people of justice. This is who God intends us to be. And I think this might be a pretty good image of how God intends to use us to bring healing justice to the world. If this image that you're looking at right now is unfamiliar to you, it's, it's a tower of champagne glasses stacked on top of each other. And they're stacked in this way, so instead of pouring champagne into each glass individually, champagne is poured into the top glass, and out of its abundance, it flows into the empty ones beneath it, and out of their abundance, into the empty ones beneath them, and so on, and so on, and so on. And I think this is an incredible image of how when we give out of our abundance of love, time, money, resources, whatever, to those around us who are empty of these things, we are bringing healing justice to the world. God is bringing healing justice to the world around us through his people. And we could also see through this image why it would be bothersome if one of these glasses attempted to uh, maintain all the champagne being poured into it, not letting any of it spill over into the empty glasses beneath it. For that glass to attempt to defy the laws of gravity like that would be unjust, just as it would be unjust for us to not give out of the abundance that has been poured into us to those around us who are empty. This is especially true for those of us who are followers of Jesus, who have put our trust in him, because we have received an infinite abundance of something. So what I'd like to do is uh, look at some of the primary excuses that I've used and, and we often use to not give to those who are in need, especially people in situations like homelessness, and compare that excuse to what we've received in abundance. And I think we'll see pretty clearly just how unjust this would be. So the first one is, and I often, this comes to mind when uh, I'm at a stoplight and there's someone asking for money. The first thought that comes to mind is usually, uh, if this person would just work hard enough, they could get themselves out of the situation that they're in. So why would I help someone who can help themselves? Like they haven't worked hard enough to earn or deserve my help yet. And let's think about that for a second in the context of the spiritual situation we were in before Jesus came. Because before Jesus came, we were stuck. Like we were stuck in our own sin and brokenness and shame and failures and mistakes. And God would have been totally justified to just put up his hands and take a step back and say, you know what? I gave them multiple chances. I showed them what was right and what was wrong. They chose what was wrong. They can suffer the consequences. They've, they've made their bed. They can lay in it. But that's not what he did. Instead, he sent Jesus And Jesus came to earth to teach us what love is. And he demonstrated that by dying on the cross for us so that we wouldn't have to pay for everything that we've done. And by doing so, he gave us forgiveness of everything wrong we've done and everything that we will do from this day forward. And that gave us this opportunity for this deep, loving, eternal relationship with God who we now get to call our Father And he didn't do this because we earned it or deserved it or worked hard enough for it. He did it simply because he loved us. That is the abundance of love that we have received. And then on top of that, Jesus says, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So all that being said, how can I look at someone who's in a situation that is the mere image of where I used to be and do nothing after what I've received in abundance? How could that be just? But then let's think about this excuse in the context of the actual people that we're talking about here, because it's easy to oversimplify a group of people in a situation. For the past couple of months, me and a group of college students, we've taken our church's food truck to a park in Greeley to serve homeless people, and we've learned a lot of things. And one of the biggest things that we've been reminded of is that every person has a story, Like this man named Joseph who came up to our truck with tears in his eyes. I thought he was emotional, but he was actually in pain. I noticed he was holding his his hand like this. So I pulled him aside and talked to him. And he told me his story about how he was in prison for a few years for a DUI. But when he got out, he was really excited to reunite with his wife and his daughter, who he's really been missing. And, And he did. But two weeks later, his wife and daughter died in a car accident. And while he was still grieving, less than a week later, the landlord approaches him, and apparently his wife had gotten behind on rent while he was in prison, and he gets evicted. So now he's grieving and on the streets with nothing but a backpack, with everything that he owns, including a social security card and birth certificate, and he gets cornered by a group of people who are trying to steal his backpack. And in defending himself, that's how he hurts his wrist. And when I asked him why he hasn't gone to the ER to get it checked out, he said it's because he has multiple trespassing tickets from sleeping in places that he didn't know were illegal to sleep, but he didn't know because he's never been homeless before. To look at Joseph and say he just needs to work harder to get himself out of a situation is unfair. Joseph needs help from multiple angles. And not just him, but like a common story for many of these people is addiction, And if you've ever struggled with addiction to to any degree, you know it's not something you can get yourself out of. Or mental illness. This is another common story for some of them. That is not something you can get yourself out of. These people need help. Just like we needed help when Jesus rescued us out of the abundance we've received, we're supposed to give. So another excuse. Again, commonly when uh, I have an opportunity to give to someone who, who's really in need of help is uh, if I give them something, they're going to misuse what I give them. They're gonna buy something that they don't need. Um, or if they're holding a cardboard sign with a sad story on it, my first assumption, I'm ashamed to say this, is uh, this is a lie. Like They came up with the sob story to take advantage of my generosity. So they are lazy, they're selfish, they're greedy. But let's talk about ourselves for a second here, because Jesus died indiscriminately for every single person, regardless of our character, knowing full well that every one of us, to some degree or another, is lazy, selfish, and greedy. I'll be the first to admit to those things. But he died for us anyway, knowing this. And let's talk about misusing what we've been given, we have been given forgiveness. Every time we are forgiven for a mistake that we've made, we have the opportunity to do things differently. But every time we don't do things differently, how is that not misusing that second chance that we've been given? But Jesus forgives us over and over and over. And let's talk about taking advantage of generosity because I can think of multiple times where I've thought about doing something that I knew was wrong. And when I'm weighing the pros and cons, the thought comes to my mind. It's like, well, Even if I do this, I'll be forgiven for it, and I go ahead and do it anyway. How is that not taking advantage of the generosity that has been shown to me, yet knowing I would do this, Jesus died for me anyway. We have received in abundance this love that is not based on whether or not we've earned it or deserved it, and it's not based on our character or merit or how perfectly we will handle this or how perfectly we are. And out of the abundance we've received, we're supposed to give. But let's talk again about the people that we're talking about here. Because I think some of these, for the most part, are unfair assumptions. Again, when we've taken the food truck out, every time we've handed food to someone, no one has ever once said, that's it, don't you have more? They say, thank you. You don't know what this means to me right now. They're so gracious and thankful, not selfish and greedy. And we have seen some incredible things. We watched this homeless lady give her extra pair of shoes to a homeless man who had none. These were possibly the most valuable possessions that she owned, but she recognized that she had an abundance of one pair and someone was lacking by one pair. And she gave without hesitation. My friend and his four-year-old daughter, they were out for a walk, and they saw a homeless person, and they approached him to see if there was anything that they could do. But before they had the chance, the man saw my friend's daughter and asked my friend if he could give her his bag of cookies that he had. And my friend said, yes, of course you can. And he did. Possibly all the food that he had, he gave without hesitation just to make my friend's daughter smile. Some of the most incredible, powerful examples of generosity that I've seen have not been towards the poor, but have come from the poor. And after witnessing them, I am the one who's left there feeling lazy and selfish and greedy. Okay, one more excuse. Um, uh, Sometimes we're at a stoplight. Someone's asking for help. And a thought crosses my mind sometimes. It's like, what I have to give, just like a few bucks or this hamburger on the passenger seat, it's not going to really solve their problem here. Like, this is a very complex situation. What I have to give can't really do anything for them. And that's fair. There's some truth to that. Homelessness, poverty, these are very complex things. Just think of Joseph's story. But if there's something that I've learned from taking the food truck out each week, is that there's nothing quite more simple than the fact that if someone is hungry, they need something to eat. And meeting that need is a really powerful thing. I think more powerful than we know. Anytime we've handed out food, again, people say, thank you, you don't know what this means to me right now. Sometimes with tears in their eyes. They have never said, how is this going to help the core issue here? They say, thank you. And I think the truth behind this is shown to us in the way that Jesus lived his life. When Jesus was here on earth, the only miracle that made its way into all four of the gospels is the time that Jesus gave a whole bunch of people something to eat. And he knew that by feeding these 5,000 people, it wasn't gonna solve their 5,000 problems, but he saw it as a valuable enough thing that it was worth his time and energy to perform that miracle and feed all these people. And in Matthew 6, Jesus teaches us, don't worry about the needs of tomorrow. God's in control. Just ask him for what you need today. And in the Lord's Prayer, one of the few things that Jesus tells us to pray for on a regular basis when he teaches us how to pray is to pray for our daily bread. And there's something packed in to the Lord's Prayer that I think we often miss. And that's, it's a communal prayer. We're praying, our Father in heaven, give us our daily bread. Not just mine, but our. So anytime I am praying for our daily bread, I'm praying for mine and yours, and yours, and yours. Like fasting, I'm looking. it causes me to look at the abundance of daily bread that I have in my pantry and think about all the people who don't even have a pantry, let alone anything in it. So in praying for our daily bread, I'm looking to God saying, God, how do you want me to bring healing justice to those who are lacking? But there's something even more here. I do not think it is a coincidence that the prayer for daily bread comes right after us asking God to bring his kingdom here to earth as it is in heaven. Because remember that champagne tower. Anytime we give out of our abundance, whether that's love or money or food or resources, we are bringing healing justice through the abundance that has been given to us, to the people around us who are in need of it. But more than that, when we give out of our abundance to those who need it, even if it's just some daily bread, I believe we are witnessing God's kingdom cascading down to earth here as it is in heaven. Do not discount the value and the power of giving someone who is hungry something to eat Because by doing it, even just by giving someone their daily bread in a small way, we are taking part in God's kingdom coming to earth. We are God's people of justice. And through us, he is bringing justice to those around us who need that healing justice. When we give out of our abundance, we see that happening and we see the kingdom coming. And when we see the single parent working multiple jobs to make ends meet for their kids and it's not quite good enough, when we see the family that is overburdened by medical bills, when we see the homeless person on the side of the road with the cardboard sign asking for something to eat, we are looking at a mirror image of the spiritual state we were in. And I cannot with a clear conscience see that and based on excuses and assumptions of they haven't earned it or deserved it or they'll misuse it or take advantage of my generosity, they're lazy, they're selfish, they're greedy, do nothing. Because not only are those unfair assumptions for me to make about a human being that I have never met before or gotten to know, but I know personally I check off every single one of those boxes and Jesus came to help me anyway. So how can I do nothing? How could that be just Now, I know there's all different sides to things, and you might disagree, but I want to share at least one more thing that just totally blows out all assumptions and excuses out of the water for me, and it's this. In Matthew chapter 25, uh, Jesus says something. He says that uh, after everything here on earth has been said and done, this is going to happen. Jesus will gather everyone together into a group of people. He's going to say this. For I was hungry... And the king, Jesus, will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. What this means is Jesus cares so deeply for those who are most in need of help that the ways that they are treated, he feels personally treated, as if it was happening to him. Think of someone that you care about the most, like for me, my kids, how they're treated, I feel treated. Like if you were to hit my kid, it would feel like that you had physically hit me. And I would probably hit you back. <laughs> but anytime anyone has ever shown love to one of my kids, it felt like you have loved me personally as if it was happening to me. This is how Jesus feels and more, I'm sure, towards the people who are most in need of our help, like the hungry and the homeless and the naked, which means when we see some of our brothers and sisters in need of our help, not only are we looking at a mere image of where we used to be, but we are looking at the one who rescued us from it. So now when I see someone needing my help, I now see an opportunity for me to give back to the one who gave everything for me. How could I pass up an opportunity to do something for the one who has done so much for me? We are God's people of justice, bringing healing justice to the world, bringing his kingdom come by giving out of the abundance of what we have, to those who are lacking in it. And those who are lacking in it are a representation and a reminder of where we used to be, and also a representation of the one who rescued us from it. In the midst of the chaos and the crises going on in our life, in our state, in our country, in our world, Jesus is sitting across the table from us, Leaning in, wanting to speak to us and say, I'm hungry, do you have anything to eat? Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for rescuing us. Even though we didn't earn it, or deserve it, even though we misuse it and take advantage of it. Even though our character is less than it should be for something like what you've given us. Jesus, thank you for showing us what love is. Thank you for the abundance that you've poured into us. Would you help us to become aware of the emptiness around us? So out of the abundance that was poured into us, that can pour out into them because we are so full in you. Father, would you teach us to see the people who are most in need of our help like you do? And would you help us to see you?